Welcome to the Nursing Home 411 podcast. I'm your host, Eric Goldwine. Before getting started, I need a favor from you that'll take 60 seconds, maybe less. If you're on your phone, please open up your Apple Podcast app, select the Nursing Home 411 podcast, scroll down, and give us a rating. Five stars, preferably. Up next, LTCCC's Executive Director Richard Mollett takes us back to the long-term care basics. Here's our music by Silverman Sound Studio. Richard, it's uh, good to see you. We're, uh, we're recording this on video, but uh, our listeners are only going to get the audio. How are you? Thanks. Good to see you, Eric. Nice to be here. So the theme of today's show is what's the difference between and in long-term care policy and in healthcare in general, there's so many different concepts and terms that it's easy to lose track of what's what, and it's easy to mix up uh, certain words um, because there's so many out there. So for the next uh, 15, 20 minutes or so, I'm going to be asking Richard to uh, explain a few of the fundamentals. And we're going to start with one, uh, that I, I've heard just talking to my friends. I've heard it in media. I've heard people mix this up. In fact, the other day, I, I got a text from my friend Quentin asking, what's the difference between nursing homes and assisted living? So yeah, what's the difference? I know there's other, there's other terms such as like uh, adult care facilities. There's all these different terms out there. Yeah, that's, it's a great question because as you said, so many people get, get confused and, and often rightfully it makes sense that they get confused because they're very, there's a lot of similarities between nursing homes and assisted living in respect to the people that they care for, and the kind of services they provide, et cetera. But there are also really critical distinctions that it's important for people to know. So I guess for the sake of conversation, we'll refer to assisted living as including adult care facilities, family type homes, uh, et cetera. Uh, and I should preface that by saying that so we have the nursing homes will have what we call you know assisted living these adult care facilities what we won't be uh, talking or what I won't be talking about today is the family type homes or, or smaller places that are usually in someone's home where they rent out rooms and they may provide some services those places are generally not licensed for health care they might be licensed under different kinds of settings and while we're talking about licensure, that's really fundamentally what this all comes down to is nursing homes have a federal licensure requirements, and there are a set of rules for nursing homes that come from federal law and from those federal requirements. And then as part of that federal system, the federal government <laughs> pays um, uh, contracts with each of the states, and each of the states have a state agency that generally does two things. And usually it's called the Department of Health or the Department of Public Health in the state. And the state agency pays for Medicare and Medicaid services that go to the nursing home for, for resident care. And they also are responsible for overseeing the resident care and safety and the quality of care provided in that nursing home. Uh, and then the very quick distinction with uh, assisted living is that assisted living has no federal quality requirements whatsoever. So everything that we see in assisted living 
is on the state basis. Generally speaking, it tends to be uh, much weaker in regards to requirements. If there are requirements for staffing, they tend to be significantly less so than a nursing home. So for instance, in nursing homes, even though there's not a federal numerical requirement, we generally, uh, studies have shown that you need to have about 4.1 hours of direct care staff time per resident per day to provide appropriate care for a typical resident. In assisted living, for instance, in our state in New York, they only require four hours of care per week. So you can imagine what, what an enormous, enormous difference that is in terms of the, the type of care that's going in. So uh, states really vary in terms of how, uh, what their rules are, how they oversee those rules, the extent to which assisted living, I'm talking about assisted living now, excuse me, can be penalized for inappropriate care, for neglect even for when a resident dies as a result of substandard care or neglect. So there is a really big distinction when it comes to the quality standards and when it comes to the, the requirements and the who's providing care in those settings. So uh, two follow-ups, a skilled nursing facility, that is a nursing home, correct? Those correct. are used interchangeably. And where would one... Uh, go to find out if they hear about a facility, whether it's a nursing home or what kind of facility it is. Can you just uh, Google that? Is there a, a, a federal website that categorizes them? Just a quick pause for an editorial note. In Richard's upcoming response, you'll hear about a website called Nursing Home Compare. We recorded this interview in July, and that website is now called Care Compare, which you can access at medicare.gov slash care dash compare. Back to the interview. That's a really good question. So there is, only, this is only again because uh, it's only for nursing homes because only nursing homes are really recognized uh, by the federal law. The, there is what's called nursing home compare. It's under medicare.gov. But if you just looked up nursing home compare, you could find information on nursing homes. In addition, every state is required to have a nursing home information website. I strongly prefer in general, the federal website tends to be much better than the state websites are. Uh, and then the states should also have, and I believe, I think they all do have websites on assisted living, but again, because of the lack of standards, uh, federal standards and the weakness of most state standards and oversight, they tend not to be as good in respect to finding out if there's any quality issues, finding out if there's any staffing issues, uh, et cetera. So it's a little bit of a mishmash. I would always recommend using a government website over a private website. Uh, for instance, there's something called The Place for Mom. Um, there's, I, I think, a caring something or other that provides information. Those, those companies are paid by the facilities to be listed, so they cannot be counted on to provide uh, really accurate information on issues that might be going on. And I would also uh, warn against using any of the ratings that we see out there. Sometimes regional magazines will put out ratings or regional newspapers will put out ratings. U.S. News and World Report does a ratings for nursing homes. Um, it's just not, frankly, an appropriate setting to have a, a, a kind of rating system. And again, in the private, uh, you know, among the private um, sector, like U.S. News and World Report or like, uh, again, a place for mom. Okay. So our second question in our uh, what's the difference between episode, 
Medicare and Medicaid, uh, and specifically in regards to long-term care, but also in general, can you explain what separates those two and how those uh, those distinctions come to play in a long-term care setting? Sure. And I remember when I started, I, I had no idea that there was a distinction between Medicare and Medicaid. I, I just knew that obviously they're two different things. Uh, so Medi- Medicare, Medicare is essentially the insurance program for seniors in the United States, people over 65, as well as people with certain disabilities can qualify for Medicare when they are younger. And in the nursing home world, Medicare pays for short-term rehab. And generally speaking, that is limited to 100 days of a nursing home stay for Medicare. Medicaid, however, is the the national insurance program for people who are low income or or, or poor. And uh, in order to qualify for that, you have to have an extremely low income. So as, as I'm sure you know, many people know, we have large gaps in, in the United States in people who have access to healthcare and, and to healthcare, you know, health insurance to get that healthcare. Um, because the Medicaid only pays for people who are very poor. Everyone else either gets their uh, health insurance through work or through private pay. Uh, so Medicaid pays for the vast majority of long-term care services in nursing homes. Medicare pays for, again, short-term rehab, only generally speaking up to 100 days. That's changed under COVID-19. The Trump administration removed that 100-day limit. So people can now stay, um, you know, for COVID, um, you know, under COVID for longer than 100 days for Medicare. Uh, Importantly, that's a... um, something that's valuable to the industry because Medicare rates tend to be very, very high. They range from about $400 to $800 a day, whereas Medicaid rates um, nationwide average is about $225 a day. So it's still a substantial amount of money, but obviously if you are a for-profit entity, as most nursing homes are, having someone who's getting paid double or triple or you know close to quadruple the daily rate is... Um, is something you want to see. So we see a lot of discrimination against people uh, who are on Medicaid or who go on Medicaid because they've used up their Medicare stay or their or their private pay stay. Uh, we see a lot of discrimination against them, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So at a given facility, of course, it varies facility by facility, but will most of the residents be Medicaid, Medicare? What's the what's the breakdown? It does, it does vary by facility um, and by the state requirements for facilities, but most, um, most residents, most resident care, I think about 60 or so percent is paid for by Medicaid. And I think, I think roughly another 20% or so is paid for by Medicare. And then the rest of it is paid for by private insurance or out of pocket. Okay, great. So on the topic of money, our next uh, topic is going to be, we're going to talk about the different kinds of facility, of skilled nursing facilities. So there is for-profit, there's a non-profit, and there's, or there's government-run. Can you talk about those, uh, those categories and what, uh, what separates them? Sure. So the, um, 
this makes a, a big difference also, I should say, even though it's something that people don't always recognize, you know, coming in from the outside that their facility is for profit uh, or not for profit. Um, most facilities in, in the country are now run as for profit, meaning that the nursing home is essentially run like a for profit business that the owners or the operators are taking profits out. Uh, they're making a profit from their business and they're running it. They are um, allocating expenses from, you know, paying for resident food allocations to paying for staff, et cetera, based upon their expectations and their, their, their goals in terms of their profit. And there are different types of for-profit facilities. They could be privately owned, like a, a so-called mom and pop facility, uh, in which case, uh, you know, an individual or a family owns one or maybe a couple of facilities up to chains that can own from dozens to literally hundreds of facilities. And those chains can often be very, very sophisticated companies. We don't necessarily see that when we walk into the door of a facility and the federal requirements for nursing homes say that all decisions about resident care and allocations, services, et cetera, have to take place on the facility, on the resident level and on the facility level. But what we often see is that when you have these corporate entities, the decisions are really taking place in the corporate headquarters and not in the facility level. And then you contrast that with the, uh, you know, we said there's not-for-profit and the government-owned, which we kind of generally lump together. There's not a lot of government-owned any longer. They tend to be operated by uh, counties, and a lot of the counties over the years have been selling those, especially true in, in New York, but it's true in our home state of New York, but that's true across the country. Um, and they tend to be sold, of course, to for-profits. There used to be more nonprofit facilities, uh, often operated by uh, a religious association like the, the Roman Catholic Church or another you know, church organization or a temple, a Hebrew organization, et cetera. Uh, a lot of those have also sold out to the for-profit entities over the years. The not-for-profits, by, you know, just by their name, you can see they're not run uh, in a way that is supposed to, excuse me, is supposed to generate profits. However, they, uh, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily more responsible for or, or to their residents in terms of those expenses. So there's still no limits in terms of the amount they can pay to, the, to their administrative staff or for administrative costs. There's no limitation on uh, amounts that they can pay to other entities uh, in terms of uh, paying for underlying property, paying for um, for management services, paying for laundry or other or food services, et cetera. So they tend to put more money into direct care. They tend to have higher staffing overall. It's not a panacea, however. It's not automatic that a not-for-profit is going to be uh, better than a for-profit. But generally speaking, as the name would imply, they do tend to put more money into resident care, and they do tend to have better results. And, and, and nonprofit is the same as not for profit. Yeah, yeah, it's just okay. just two different ways of saying the same the same thing. Uh, right. And the government owns same you know same thing. I think just when we we've noticed in our research, um, I think some of the government owned tend to do a little bit better in terms of putting money into staffing and have better staffing. But um, then even the the nonprofits, generally speaking, that's more of an uh, an anecdotal observation of mine rather than. You know, the other, the other statements I made were really based upon uh, large-scale data that we've reviewed over the years. 
So now we're going to get uh, inside the facility here, and we're going to talk about staffing. So there's a RN, there's a, a CNA, there's an LPN, there's an LVN. What what do these mean? Who? Uh, what are the qualifications? Can you explain what these uh, these positions are? So essentially, uh, you know, what we're talking about in terms of RNs, LPNs, LVNs, and CNAs are different categories of nurses. RNs are registered nurses, and LPNs are licensed practical nurses. I think LVN stands for licensed vocational nurses. Mm -hmm. And those three categories, and really it's two, the LPN and LVN are considered along the same lines. They're, they are the licensed nurses in just period, you know, professionally speaking, but also in terms of a nursing home or adult care facility setting. The RNs are really the ones that provide most, uh, talking about nursing homes now, uh, they provide most of the supervision of resident care. States generally require when they have like a nurse practice act that that generally relates to the RN, the registered nurse, because that RN is the person who is frankly, the, the most professional, um, and really, I guess, in, in some ways, the only professional um, in, in that setting in respect to being able to administer medications, being able to, um, to assess a resident, uh, et cetera. So some states may have some different rules around this in terms of, for instance, who can give medication, who can, who can um, administer medication. Those things have their own meanings as well. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that quickly. But it's a really important distinction in terms of the RNs and the LPNs because what we've observed over time is that sometimes a facility that's not so good will over rely on the LPNs and, and, at these, and, and sacrifice the level of RNs. And there's been a number of studies over the years have, that have shown that RNs are perhaps the most important component. Even though they don't provide a lot of direct resident care, the fact that they're overseeing care in the facility is really important. And that facilities that are trying to, frankly, cheap out on, on staffing will substitute the LPNs or the LVNs for the RNs. And as I just you know quickly mentioned, it's the CNAs, the certified nurse aides, that provide about 90% of bedside care for residents. So they're really important in terms of helping residents, um, feeding residents, helping residents with you know, basic services, uh, et cetera, that really comes from the CNAs. And so overall staffing is, is extremely important when you look at a nursing home's quality. To me, that would be the most important indicator if I was looking online to see uh, comparing nursing homes. And then RN staffing in particular really tells you how the facility is investing in its staffing uh, uh, you know, for, for its residents and for resident care. We're going to wrap up uh, the what's the difference between section. There's so many other th that I think yeah. we should we should definitely have an, another another episode like this in the future uh, because there's just so many things to get into. I just while you were talking, I I just uh, thought of so many more that I get mixed up. So we'll get back to this in the future. Uh, to wrap up this episode, we're going to close with our uh, recommendations. So we'll start with a. Uh, nursing home or a long-term care-related recommendation, and then, uh, and then something in general. So what, what, do you, what do you got in the nursing home section here? Uh, well, there's a new report that just came out from the House Ways and Means Committee 
It's uh, if you look at House Ways and Means, um, and Congress uh, and the House of Representatives, of course, it would come up on their website. But they just did a new report on antipsychotic druggings and drugging, excuse me, in nursing homes, which is really important and valuable. It's something about which we've been very concerned for many years. Uh, the um, uh, nursing homes across the country have made some progress over the last nine or so years in reducing their antipsychotic drugging, but we're starting to see that, um, one, as the, this report points out, uh, that there has been a tremendous decrease since the Trump administration came into office in enforcement of those requirements and penalties for giving residents drugs inappropriately, and these drugs, by the way, are very dangerous as we've discussed in other programs. Uh, and also we've been very concerned that people during COVID-19 during the pandemic are being given these drugs rather than getting the appropriate care they need, especially people with dementia. So I would recommend that report. And, and for people interested in the issue, we have a Dementia Care Advocacy Toolkit on our website, nursinghome411.org. A lot of good information and resources for people who are concerned about dementia care and, and the use of antipsychotic drugs as chemical restraints. I um, finished watching up a series called Succession on, on Showtime, which was really good. If people get Showtime, it was really, really, um, I, I thought very interesting and, and, worth, and, and worth watching about a family that is, um, has a lot of different ambitions <laughs> and uh, a little bit cutthroat. I don't know if you saw that, but it was, it, it's really good. Two seasons. And it was just an interview with the um, one of the cast members who got uh, nominated for an Emmy, and um, hopefully they're coming back soon with season three when they can start filming again. Right. It's is it about a media empire or? Yes, it's yeah. about a family that owns a, a media empire, and and the 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 father. It's also over the father. I think he might have had a stroke or something. So there's this play to try to take to try to get his, his place and take over the company and then he okay. winds up recovering and he's he's quite ruthless. So it's and, it's and succession. And succession, yes. Yeah. It's very Shakespearean but in a modern day um, in a modern day way. Thanks for joining the show and we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, thanks very much, Eric. Appreciate it.